RPM. Revolutions per minute. Indigenous music culture. Check one, check two. RPM. Revolutions per minute. Indigenous music culture. My name's Oz12, and I'm on the line via Skype and cell phone with. Uh, my name is uh, Agridanta, DJ Buddha Blaze from Ratnawage, Kandigahaga, Mohawk Nation, just outside of Montreal. I'm a radio DJ, radio broadcaster, producer, uh, engineer, hip-hop lover. Uh, Basically, I've been in the scene since around 99 in the hip-hop scene in Montreal. I've been doing radio since 91, so I was like 12, and uh, yeah, just, you know, I'm involved in the hip-hop scene as much as I can, promoting uh, local groups and just new music that I think is worth... uh, stuff people should hear yeah Montreal's got a, a huge hip-hop scene and what's that been like for you to be involved in that I mean it was weird because you know I came into it when there was only a few groups who were established and it was in the time way before you know the internet or instant popularity or you know the ability to be to have visibility without actually doing any work or paying you know $200 an hour for studios so, I mean, I said it about two years ago. I started saying, you know, in the next year or two, it's going to be a, an explosion of groups because prior to that, I had been seeing all these, you know, young MCs coming up. Uh, I do a couple of radio shows, and one of the radio shows, Off the Hook, we've been doing uh, 13 years. And basically, I've seen, we used to call them the van of rappers, and that van of rappers ended up, you know, now spewing a bunch of different groups so I mean I really seen the progression from talent being molded to uh, actually forming groups and and putting stuff together and then actually taking it to the next level and you know really promoting themselves and putting out quality music all coming from Montreal at the same time you know whether it be the narcissist whether it be uh, OG Hindu Kush whether it be um, you know Boombat Cats uh, Penzo Gritty you know who are all part of a bigger group, Giganti, uh, you know, or whether it be even, you know, older groups, uh, D-Shade, who was part of uh, one of the uh, first English hip-hop groups in Canada, who shaped the culture, or, you know, just of that nature. It's just, you know, it was, it's cool to be involved and to see and be able to call it and say, you know, in the next year or two, you're going to see an explosion. And that's just from the, the circle of artists that I've been involved with. There's a whole nother you know, crew and uh, groups of bands that have come out as well in Montreal that are more on a, uh, I don't want to say pop level, but rap level rather than, you know, strictly hip hop. I think there's a, there's a big misconception about the, the, the differences between hip hop and rap. Um, I'm sure not a lot of people know about that. What could you explain about the differences between, you know, rap well, I mean, and hip hop? I mean, the, the, the most basic explanation I can give is uh, of course, hip hop has four elements, and rap is just rap. It's the one element of hip hop. It's they basically, you know, they took your apple and they they bit it. They took a bite of the apple and they took the part they wanted and they used that to market it. You know, initially the DJ was always the most important thing. Cause without the DJ, you don't have the MC. But now, you know, corporations and uh, mainstream media and and uh, pop music, popular music, have taken that, taken the rap part, the guy rhyming, and and uh, ran it through the machine, and and now we have uh, what's more rap, 
you know, I guess more commercially viable, commercially acceptable pop, but rap, you know, that's basically what it is. Not to say that the groups I'm saying that aren't the people that I associate with are not, you know, saying rap is a bad thing. It's just a different style, you know, more commercial viable or commercially viable to what's going on right now, as opposed to following maybe more of a hardcore uh, way of doing your music that stems directly from hip-hop and groups who do hip-hop, as opposed to maybe just, you know, trying to be on the radio and doing what's considered popular right now, or pop. That's a real effort to try to be popular. Um, you said you've been doing radio since 91. Tell us about how, how at 12 years old you got into uh, radio out there and uh, uh, what, when, what station well, and how that happened. Well, K103, which is a radio station on the reserve in Gahnawage, 103.7 FM, K103radio.com. They've been uh, you know, on the air for 30 years. And basically, you know, when I was, the station is like, I guess, a couple blocks from my house. So, I mean, as a 12-year-old, I was already, I joined a band. You know, I got my first guitar at 11. You know, joined the band when I was 12. In joining that band, I met a lot of musicians from the reserve, who a lot of them actually worked at the radio station. So I used that as a way to become an intern, start hanging around, you know, learning how to cut teeth and, and do commercials and just, you know, uh, learning how to set up a turntable just to play a record, not even on a DJ uh, way of doing it, but just, you know, radio station, put it on, find the beginning, do a half moon, and then press play when you're ready to start, you know? So, I mean, that was a huge learning experience because you have all these people who were in their own genres. You know, you had like the chick who was into the new wave and punk, you had the guy who was the classic rock guy. You had the older guy who was like the, you know, Beatles fanatic and, and like oldies fanatic R&B. You had the more uh, hard rock, you know, so and you have a, you know, a radio station with about you know, 10,000 records and, you know, 10,000 CDs. So, I mean, wealth of knowledge and, and musical uh, versatility came out of that for sure. You know, just knowing my music. So, I mean, uh, starting as an intern and just going there and then getting a chance to do my own show at like 13 or 14, which is the rock weekend. I used to play heavy metal and hard rock and classic rock on Saturdays for like five hours. And it just started from there. And at one point, I think they said I was the first person under 30 because I, I speak Mohawk, I speak Ganyageha, my language. So at one point, I was doing a show all in Ganyageha and I was the first person like under 30 to do my own show in my own language and... Uh, so, you know, I just progressed. I went to college. I went to CJP, uh in Boston. I did uh, some radio there. Came back. Started doing uh, K103 on a regular basis. Eventually, they gave me an afternoon slot. I was doing, you know, basically doing it as a day job full time. And then I met the guys from Off the Hook, which is Orion, who was in Shades of Culture, who I mentioned before, and Flo who's a seminal graph writer here in Montreal and in Canada in general. Um, they were already hosting with another guy, Pat Reck, who, strangely enough now, um, is a manager for, of Bright Eyes, which is like this uh, really popular independent uh, Montreal indie band. So, I mean, you know, I joined those guys about eight, nine years ago, and, yeah, just 
been involved in that, and that was more the, the thing that got me into the Montreal scene, was doing the Off the Hook show, but K103 really introduced me to music and, you know, radio production, and then later on hip-hop as well, because I did a show on K103 for a long time on Friday nights. That was a hip-hop show with a live call-in freestyle. And, uh, yeah. I mean, basically, started as an intern and just was there for so long, ended up getting a job and been doing radio ever since, in one way or another. Yeah, K103 is uh, one of the, you know, I think it's one of the most prominent, uh, you know, native-run radio stations in Canada. But it still has the uh, ability to just kind of branch out into outside the native community as well. Oh, definitely. I would say there was even a big, like, controversy over who who people, who you're trying to service at one point, you know? Are you trying to service the community at large or trying to service the city? Because, I mean, um, you know, Heo Kirby was uh, at one point the host of Street Sounds, which was the main urban show, and he, like, started playing, this is like 93, 94, he started playing, you know, Biggie and, and Wu-Tang, and, you know, he was playing stuff that nobody was playing in Montreal, really. There was maybe a couple shows, but on a regular basis, you know, Monday to Thursday, Monday to Friday, whatever, what have you, uh, that really, you know, really impacted the city, because, you know, even still now, K103 is the main hub for local talent. I mean, not as much back then, because it just wasn't the same mentality, but Later on, you had people like Duke Edward Eatman who really, you know, created a lane for local acts to be able to have their music played, which in turn, you know, gave me a spot, Ruta Blaze, gave a spot to Don Smooth, the voice of the city, and Nick Fury, who are the two now hosts, the main hosts of Street Sounds and Street Sounds After Hours, uh, who really, you know, have taken the reins and are promoting local music. They have a countdown that's just shy over a year now of just local music you know so i mean yeah it's definitely been the mainstay i mean ckut uh, which is formerly uh university of mcgill was also very prominent but it has it's spotty you know it has certain shows it's not a consistent lineup like that's what off the hook is on there's also masses at work you know there's little groove garden there's the goods you know there's uh refunk there's a bunch of bands that service hip-hop and funk and Urban, you know, uh, a weekend grooves, etc. Um, Lions Den, but it's just that's all it is. It's two two hour slot, hour slot, and you know, once a week. You add that up, it's only like ten hours. Whereas you have uh, another show doing thirty some hours a week of straight urban music, hip hop. So yeah, it's definitely um, before it was I think uh, prominent in the, as a native run and operated station. It's definitely uh, known. Canada as well for hip-hop. Well, why do you think indigenous people are so drawn to hip-hop? Um, you know, in my community at least, we've been working in New York City and working in the States for, you know, 100 years. I mean, my father's, you know, just turned 70 and he worked in New York for over 20 years and all over the States doing high steel, you know, he's topped off building one and built building two from the ground up, you know, the world trade and he's worked on every bridge in the city and so I mean that in itself you got to think we're a community on the south shore of the island basically you know former farming community but we're English surrounded by French just outside of the metropolitan area but we're not connected to it but yeah 
we're totally connected to places like New York and Boston uh, because there's people who are there Monday to Friday working, bringing back music, or maybe their kids go out there and you know they're exposed to all this culture. I remember seeing you know style and fashion in my town that only had in my town and in New York and never seen anywhere else. And same thing with the music. I mean, I know kids whose fathers worked in the States and who were getting music from the States, and even I would get music from the States that I would never have heard, you know, here because of that. So, I mean, I think that, and, you know, on a, on a real, obviously, if you want to go into a deep level of it, it's it's just like our traditional music, you know. It's, it's rhythmic drumming with chanting over top, you know. And that's really what hip-hop is. It's rhythms, you know, and even that goes back all the way back to African drumming and, and just chanting and rhythm and, and communal uh, music, you know, and dancing, which are all, you know, together in, the, in hip-hop. Wow, it'd be interesting to put together some pictures of uh, fashion and sounds of the, of the progression throughout the, you know, throughout K-Town, you know? Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, and it, it, it's it's weird to me because there's certain styles that I I know and recognize growing up, but I have no idea if that was even something here in Montreal ever. You know what I mean? There's some things that are just so foreign. I'm sure to people around here, like uh, they used to have these hats that had metal plating all over the hat, and it would have like NYC or New York or whatever you wanted. Like cut out of the metal plate and then put over the top as like your logo, you know. Like I've never seen that anywhere else, but in my town, in like on old hip hop videos from like the early '90s, you know, late '80s. But I mean, it's we're farmer community slash like you know uh, assimilated into what's going now. So you have guys in work boots wearing camouflage or like jeans, or now you have I don't know. It's just it was strange. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a different place. Um, Ganawagi in itself. Uh, I was actually uh, talking to a pizza guy who is from out there, and um, I, w- I was talking about he was talking about getting lost in my neighborhood, and I was telling him about my friend told me the story about how Ganawagi has no street signs. No, right? No street signs. <laughs> no specific numbers. Basically, there's like certain streets have names, but there are no signs for them. You just got to know. So, yeah, when people come, it's like, yeah, you know where like the fire brigade is. Okay, turn here from there. And then I'm like, this house on the right with this car in the driveway. And yeah, I mean, I've always seen it as, I mean, who else needs to know where you're going besides the people who are there already? Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, so how how has uh, your your Mohawk culture inspired your your music creation now to the, to, to today? Well, I mean, uh, I definitely when I was in FBI, it was a it was a big part. You know, we tried definitely to fuse certain Iroquois things, but it's very different. Like if you listen to Mohawk traditional music, it's on the water drum. It's very fast. You know, 105 BPM sometimes so to, to really get the same feel it's hard to really achieve that so I mean we tried a couple things but for the most part I think um, content wise is how you know when I was uh, doing music how I would uh, try to well, I mean because I'm the producer I'm doing the music I'm not necessarily a lyricist but you know putting in uh, ideas for content and and concepts of songs definitely you know 
whether it be the reservation, you know, we did a song called, you know, where we redid the wall by Pink Floyd, and it was basically how reservations and residential schools are, are like a, a prison, and we're trapped inside our own prison, you know, things like that. And know we had a song about uh, how you can go anywhere in the world, but you know, there's no there's no place like the res, there's no place like home. You know, you might hate it, and you know, it's, uh, all it is is a gossip place of gossip and jealousy or whatever there's no place quite like it you know the duality of living on the res but maybe someone who's always traveling or, or finds themselves not always home to like straight militant pro-native movement you know blow some shit up kind of uh, you know dead prez style concept song I mean, I think we've always run the gambit of, as far as content-wise, of um, trying to make a link to, to the art native uh, connection, I guess you could say, or just like our everyday life. Because to us, hip-hop has always been a traditional music, like I said. I mean, some of the original B-boys and people who were, uh, who were involved in, in, you know, the scene in the late 70s, mid-70s, were natives. But, you know, because of assimilation, people might call them Spanish or Mexican, you know what I mean? But there's a lot of nations in South, exactly Puerto Rican, there's a lot of nations in the South that are actually native nations, but they just, you know, they don't know they are. They think they're Spanish, American, or what have you. Yeah, I've heard that. Sorry, go ahead. I've heard the term that saying that the real hip hop in North America is actually the indigenous people's hip hop. <clears throat> no, I mean, there's no, I mean, uh, there's no debating that, you know, there was a lot of dancers. I'm not going to say that the first rapper was native or the first producer because that's, you know, that's not true. Yeah. But definitely, you know, they were there in New York. I mean, if my family, if there's families that have been in New York since the 50s and 60s that are native. You can't tell me there weren't some kids. I mean, there was dudes, there was like businessmen from Japan who used to go, were, who were involved in the initial birth of hip hop, you know, even as just connoisseur fans. But they were still there, and you can't deny that, you know, like they went back to Japan, and I'm sure they were the people who brought hip hop to a lot of kids in that country. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's definite connections for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you see in the future of uh, Ongwe Hongwe hip hop? Ongwe Hongwe hip hop. I mean, I don't know, right? I mean, I don't know. FBI, we're not really uh, active as much anymore, and you know, there's a few groups coming out of Ganawage, a couple groups. They're not really as pro native as we were, but I mean, there's still the one group has a track called, you know, uh, uh, I think it's called 1990 or 90, and it's basically about, you know, the blockade and all that, and then you have another group, you know, K-Town Villain and a couple other guys, uh, who are just doing rap, you know, it's not really, they're not really being, they're not really identifying with themselves on an ethnic level, they're just rapping about whatever they want to rap about, you know. Yeah. And I not guess, really uh, native hip hop per se. It's a native kid doing rap. 
Well, I guess for us, like I was 11 when that went down. So it's a, it's a very strong image that's within my mind and whenever I express myself through rap or hip hop. So I guess it would have to be some somebody who remembers those things to really... Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of new kids are like 18, 19, 20. So that was, you know, they were born the year it happened. Yeah, that's crazy. So what's in the future for DJ Buddha Blaze? Uh... I don't know. I mean, we just finished the Shades album. The Water Principle will be out in September. That's something I've been working on about two and a half, two and a half years. You know, uh, he came to me with a bunch of songs, and we just uh, started the record over. Uh, put together 20-some-odd songs, and cut it down, mixed it with the Narcissist. You know, mastered it at Red Rhino, where they mastered OG Hindu Kush's album, Fly Distance's album. And, um, yeah, been doing that. So that's about to come out. We have a video about to drop for that, which is the single with the narcissist and Omar Fendom, which was uh, produced or directed by Narcissist and JL, who actually uh, did Narcissist's album, uh, Narcissist's video of Brass, which you can see on YouTube, which is a crazy video. And this one is a homage to Pulp Fiction. Oh, nice. So I mean, got that coming out. I'm actually going to be filling in for a tribe called Red um, next week on the 10th of September at Babylon in Ottawa. So if there's anyone listening and you want to come check that out, it's going to be my second time playing. They uh, had me about three months ago and uh, it was great. And they're going to be on tour in DC and, you know, DJ Indian said, you know, the guys thought that there wasn't anyone more capable to do the job. So... I'm going to go down there and they have a local DJ, Magnificent, who's going to be spinning with me. And, you know, we're just going to have a good time and play some uh, some music to dance to, to powwow it up to. Electric powwow styles, word up. Well, RPM, Revolutions Per Minute, Indigenous Music Culture. My name's Oz12, once again, and I'd just like to thank DJ Buddha Blaze for coming out to talk to us, man. No problem, you know. You can uh, check me up on Twitter. You know, at DJ Buddha Blaze, or you can go to BuddhaBlaze.com. You can also check out the blog for the radio show, which is OffTheHookRadio.blogspot.com. And the other show I do is uh, Night School Radio on K103, and you can listen to that on my website. I have uh, 50-some-odd shows that you can download or stream. What up? We'll share all those links as well, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. All right. Revolutions per minute.